Bam. We're live. Legend. Who's a legend? Sam Briggs is a legend. Legend. I love when I catch a live. K-Star, she'll be the first ever 40-year-old female to podium in the games. Man. Man, oh man. That is that would be amazing. I wonder if there's anyone who doesn't like Sam Briggs. Like I mean, there were people who didn't like Jesus or people who didn't like Bob Marley or people who didn't like Bruce Lee, right? I mean, these are all good people. There's got to be someone who doesn't like Sam Briggs. Probably, but I'd be curious, you know, maybe just because they're not as good as her or something. Jealousy. Anything's possible this day and age. You know, it's, um, you could pretty much say anything you wanted about this podcast and it wouldn't hurt my feelings. Like you could be like, Hey, you guys don't make sense. Hey, you're stupid. Hey, the audio is bad. Hey, your guests are horrible. Just anything. And I just really wouldn't take offense except one thing. And someone finally said it and it cut right to my soul. They said, Oh my God, please. The first four minutes of this podcast are horrible. Can you just cut it out and start with the meat and potatoes? Basically I'm paraphrasing. And that's like been my problem with like any podcast I listen to. If I'm listening to them and it's just like commercials or nonsense or small talk in the first four minutes, I want to blow my brains out. And then finally someone accused us of doing that. So I'm just like, that hurt. That hurt. A specific pod, like a podcast or a conversation or they meant in general. I, uh, I think it was the one I did with Rich. I think I can't remember. Uh Oh, Oh, this isn't good sign guys. This is not a good sign. Did you see that text just coming from Sam Briggs? Oh no. Can I do via phone? Uh, sure. Is it an iPhone? I think when people use their phone, they're only disrespecting themselves, right? I mean, Sam's old enough to have a computer. Come on, Sammy. Come on, Sammy. Maybe she's on vacation after the games or something. Who knows? You're a good dude. I'm just straight to being critical. And you are uh, giving her some leeway. We got to find out where she is. But if she's home, yeah, she should, she should probably have a computer. Uh, I just texted her back. It's going. I, I said, "Is it an iPhone?" Uh, she has to download the Riverside app, right? Okay. Download this app and open the link. ASAP. We are live now. What do you guys want to talk about? You guys want to talk about vaccines? <laughs> you guys you guys want to talk about critical race theory? Is that why you guys came to this show? Is that why you're here? Or did you come to listen and hear about the great Sam Briggs? Because we have some dead time to fill now. Damn. The one good thing, though, I want you guys to know is we actually did start on time today. Iris, John's daughter, podcast foreplay is the best warm up. Iris, was I supposed to return an email to you? That name looks very familiar. Brian needs to turn up his mic. Great pick quality, but too quiet to hear compared to Sevon. What if I turn mine down? I don't know if he can turn his mic up. He's not talking actually right now. Maybe that's why. No, I, I'm not sure what to do. About uh, he's all, he's always been. No, it's a new computer. It's a new computer. It makes him look more handsome than he really is. 
Craig White, I'd love to hear your take on vaccines. Uh oh, don't get me started. Don't get me started. You know I'm shadow banned, right? You know you want you want this YouTube station to get shut down too. The thought police are everywhere, people. Am I going to Dubai? No, Brian. Are you going to Dubai? Oh, you mean for the fight? Is that what you mean for the fight? Andy Walker, am I going to Dubai for the fight? Don't turn your mic down. Talk about the athletes getting invited. Oh, look, there she is, guys. We can see her before you can because you're on a 30-second delay. There she is. Hi, Sam. Hello. Try and figure out. There we go. That looks a bit better. You think she's just going to pop up on the live feed? I'm watching it now. I wonder what. Oh, there she is. (laughs) There she is. Sam. Hi. I'm Sevon. Nice to see you again. It's been a while. Yeah, nice to see you uh, too. I I know who you are. <laughs> uh, what do you know Brian Friend? I do, yes. I have uh, I have moments that stick in my mind about both of you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should just leave it <laughs> please tell me tell me about the moments that stick in your mind about brian um 2018 dfc saying that i was too old to win it coming in hot coming in hot <laughs> Hey, my 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 glasses just fogged up a little bit, <laughs> and there's some like sweat and shit on there. Oh man, oh man. I'm glad I have this beard, so I you can't see me blushing right now. <laughs> uh, Sam, what country are you in right now? Uh, America. I'm in Ohio. And is that home home for you? Yeah, we bought a house uh, last year, uh, just during during lockdown. Got a little bit bored during lockdown, so I bought a house. <laughs> And and who's we? Uh, me and Nicole. Okay, and I see her, and she. I boy, my memory is so foggy because as I was going through your Instagram, like the first ten photos I saw of her, I didn't recognize her, and then as I went deeper and deeper, I'm like, oh, I know her. She was a games athlete. Yeah, she was individual 2014 and 15, and then was at the games 2019 on the Central Beast team. Man, sports. This. What have you done for me lately? Sports that year, right? Uh, that 2019 year, they competed at strength and depth, and they had a, a. I think I don't think they won the first event, but I think they won the next six events or something. And that yeah, was the first and maybe only time that I met Nicole, and but they were incredibly mm-hmm. nice. Their whole team was like very happy to have a conversation and hang out. Very cool people. Yeah, so they they had a cool dynamic, and then they put a lot of uh, effort into uh, training together. And I think that showed, uh, obviously, they, they made it through all the cuts uh, in 2019 and were in that, that final. So Watch what? Against you since you didn't make all the cuts? Uh, <laughs> different. <laughs> uh, Sam, watch. Now, every time you say something, Brian's going to say something positive to try to dig himself out of the hole. You mentioned <laughs> Nicole's team, and he's already like talking about how great that team is. 
Um, uh, before we go, um, there, there's something I want to get off my chest really quick here. Um, the, your book, did you choose the person who read the book? So, uh, that was just circumstances because as they were recording, uh, the audible book, uh, lockdown happened. So the only way we could get somebody to read it was somebody who had a recording studio in their home. And so we were pretty limited on like who we could, uh, get to read it. Uh, so the feedback that I've had of people say that it sounds like a professor from Hogwarts. I'm like, well, that surely, <laughs> <laughs> well, surely that makes it more interesting. We've got a, a little bit of uh, CrossFit meets Harry Potter. So I, um, I, uh, Sam has a book. It's called Start Your Engine. What, I, I didn't realize your book was that new. For some reason, I thought it was older than that. No, it came out. So the... Uh, Hard, hard book came out probably a couple of months before that, and then the uh, audible book got done, kind of like April May time uh, last year, and the paperback version has actually only just uh, come out now, which has like a bonus uh, chapter, kind of like catching up on what's happened since the the book was um, like finished. And does the paperback version also, I heard it has a huge poster in the center, like the old Playboy magazines. Like you get a giant <laughs> poster of Sam Briggs. You get to just like. That's that's actually a good idea. I should have uh, suggested that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I think the, I think the person who reads your book is great. They obviously have an accent. I'm no, um, you know, linguist, but it sounds like a very strong English accent to me. Um, I would say for the first, um, five minutes that I listened to, I had to listen very carefully because I'm very limited in my um, uh, American centric listening scope. So I'd listen very carefully to understand everywhere, but, but actually it's great. And um, after listening for a couple hours, I actually start to forget that it's her. And I think it's you, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause she has an English accent. Did, um, did you choose someone specifically because they had an English accent? Uh, so they tried to uh, pick somebody who was from kind of where I was from to get that authentic dialect. So maybe if you go back to early 2010, 2011 interviews, then maybe I've got a thicker accent. Over the time, I've developed to speak a little bit more slowly, kind of neutralize a lot of my words, because especially in the early days, a lot of people couldn't uh, understand me as clearly. Uh, but obviously, 10 years down the line, uh, it's become a lot easier. So you, you actually worked on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, part of it. Uh, became more natural uh, spending more time over here because uh, I'll go places and if people don't understand me, I'll have to keep repeating myself and repeating myself. I mean, I still get it now when I go somewhere and I get asked my name and they ask me to spell it. I'm like, S-A-M. I'm like, <laughs> it couldn't get any easier. <laughs> Those are my initials, actually. Sam. Sevan Adam Matosian. Sam. Uh, yeah, when you have a name like Sevon, you're used to people saying, huh, what? But I guess, yes, yeah, Sam should be pretty. Um... I'm like, that's fairly easy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've never I can't recall ever um, 
you do have a strong accent, but I can't recall ever not understanding, being able to understand what you're saying. Um, I did listen to the podcast uh, that you did with Julie Fouché. And right. uh, it was kind of funny because um, Dave was, uh, Dave, you know, CrossFit Games started a podcast, right? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay. Well, they did last right. week. Yep. And one of the things Dave said that was so special about that podcast that they were starting is that it wasn't going to be personality driven. Right. And I was like, well, I just listened to the Julie Fouché podcast and that fucking thing is definitely not personality driven, but that's a, that's a different subject. That was supposed to be funny. Okay, um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My first joke failed. <laughs> um, before I got distracted by your book, you're in Ohio. You bought a home with Nicole. Yep. Um, why Ohio? Uh, that's where uh, she's been based, and um, it would just made more sense at the time. She was uh, working at a, a gym in Cincinnati, so she was uh, managing the gym. So she had more ties here, and it's easier for me to travel as long as I've got a gym to train in and a bed to sleep in, I'm pretty happy. So it was a lot easier for me to come here than for her to uproot and come to the UK. Uh, was that an option? Uh, we like we talked about a few different things because obviously from the end of 2015 until the end of 2019, uh, I was struggling to get my green card. So that was a long process. So uh, we were we had a long distance relationship for all that time. So there was talks that if if things didn't happen, then obviously um, Nicole would have had to come to the UK. But in the end, I got my green card and uh, we started looking for houses, and we ended up finding the the right house here. Couldn't you guys – sorry, I know this is going to be pretty presumptuous on my part, but couldn't you guys have just gotten married and that would just be that? Uh, we did, and it was just kind of unfortunate timings of everything because uh, Trump came in just as all my application was being processed. So he put a ban on all, all immigration. So um, nothing was done for all that time. And then obviously when uh, they resumed looking at immigration papers and stuff, there was such a big backlog that everything that took so long to process. Even if you were married? Yeah, like it didn't, it didn't matter. It was just the whole, the whole process to, to get anything done. Wow. Okay. And then do you think she was really considering moving to the UK or that was just being nice? Oh, well, maybe we, we could live in the UK or the United States. And then she just bites the inside of her cheeks. So, maybe she I'm... was just being nice because she finds it really hard to understand a lot of the people as well. Like, like I said, I've uh, softened my accent. When she would come to Manchester, it would take her a while before she could understand what everybody was saying. You were, um, what inspired you to write the book? Did someone talk you into it or did you, was it something you wanted to share? Yeah, I thought about it, um, a few times, but I never really knew how to like start the process. 
Uh, and then it was somebody who actually approached me and they did it as a ghost writer would, a ghost writer would interview me and then he put together like the meat of the, the book. So the hardest part for me was um, after that, it was more editing it and making sure that everything was in the right order. The way I'd said things had been interpreted correctly and just like little things like that. Um, I so that was kind of the hardest part. Yeah, I haven't finished the book. Um, I had actually forgotten until a few days ago that you had actually written a book as I was digging around. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I went to go buy it on Audu on um, in the Apple Tunes bookstore, and I realized I must have already bought it. That's how shitty my memory is. <laughs> you know when you see a book and you're like, oh, I'm going to read that. And so you buy it, and then next thing you know, you're not reading it. Um, it sounds like you. It sounds like you had a great upbringing. It sounds like life. You've had a uh, at least to the, the the portions of the book that I've read. You were you, you had a you had a mom that loved you. You had a very supportive family, a supportive brother, and that you were just you were you've always kind of been this grounded person who you are who you are. Yeah, I think um, like my mom has always been very supportive and. Uh, as I was growing up, she always wanted me and my brother to kind of like try everything and experience everything. So even when my uh, dad left and she was working full-time supporters, she still made sure that we were taken to football or we were taken to swimming. We had music lessons and uh, luckily uh, her parents were both uh, teachers so um summer holidays and like after school if she was still working there was somebody there that was making sure that we um were still wanting to do if we were like pursuing like um I used to play the piano and the cello so it was like we always had somebody that was very supportive and making sure that uh if we wanted to pursue something we were able to to do those extracurricular activities did you did your was your dad I, I in the book it says oh then my mom remarried but I don't ever remember reading in the book about your parents getting a divorce was that before you were old enough to remember or? yeah no um I was uh 11-ish when uh when they separated so I kept in touch with my dad and still saw my dad for uh probably another year another two years until I was kind of at the age to realize he he would try and play my mom offers and stuff, and my mom was busting her ass off to like provide everything for me and my brother. So I was kind of like, you know what? I don't need you in my life to feel whole. Like my mom's doing everything she can to ensure that our lives are uh, just as good as anybody with both their parents in there. So I kind of made that decision that it was more toxic with him being in it than it was uh, without him. So um, that was kind of like my decision to, to make. Um, and then a couple of years down the line, my mom uh, remarried and uh, my stepdad. Uh, unfortunate for him coming into uh, our lives as teenagers probably the hardest time to, to all of a sudden become a father but he did he did a good job <laughs> so so wait a second so uh you were smart enough to know at 11 or 12 years old that like hey 
I'm, I'm, you're done. There Dad. was there was just little things that that would happen, and um, I, I was at the age where I could then see uh, like what he was doing, how it was affecting my mom, and how he didn't necessarily have mine and my brother's best interests at heart. He was kind of doing things uh, maybe out of um, like out of feeling like he had to do things as opposed to trying to do things to better mine and my brother's lives. Is Did your brother um, give him the straight arm too and, and make him keep his distance or did your brother uh, take a different route? He, he saw my dad for uh uh, longer than me uh, and he's now back in touch with uh, with my dad um, I think my dad tried to get back in touch with me when I joined the fire service um, my first station in the fire service was actually next door to where he used to be in the police force so um, I think rumor got to him that I joined the fire service and he tried to get back in touch but I was kind of like hey I've, I'm like 24 now what happened to the last 12 years if you really wanted to get in touch with me you would have done kind of like sooner so i was like i'm good thanks wow um how many people lived in your town oh i don't know that um <laughs> the, the reason why i ask is what a small world that you would end up getting a job right next door to where you're yeah I mean, and it wasn't even um in the like town where um so the brigade that i um, was is kind of like county based um so you could have been anywhere in the whole of west yorkshire and it literally was i got posted my first posting was in morley and his i think it was his last posting before he retired with morley and they they're literally like side by side there's a wall and then um, a, a gated fence separating the two <laughs> wow what a trip what a small world you played like you played everything, huh? I uh, mean, you yeah. and, and you say in your book that basically it, it, it kind of reminds me of myself. You want to do everything in life. The only thing you don't want to do is sleep because that means you can't be doing <laughs> shit you want to be doing. That's changed a little bit as I've got older. Now I've realized how important sleep is. <laughs> but definitely as I was younger, I just wanted to be always doing something. And, and how did you get into triathlons? Uh, so when I was younger, I used to run uh, cross country. I did some mountain bike racing. I did a little bit of swimming when I was younger, younger. Uh, and so I was in, uh, I was already in the fire service. I retired from playing football or soccer, as you guys call it. I was looking for something to do. And uh, I already used to run or cycle to and from work. So the guys at work were all like, well, why don't you do start doing a few triathlons? A few of the guys were doing some local triathlons. So they were like, we're going to swim in between nights and stuff. Come and join us. And just kind of like fell, fell into doing it. It just filled that void that uh, was missing after I retired from playing football. So it's not because when I think of people who do triathlons, I just put in Ironmans and think of that. I think of them as just people with crazy pathologies, like people with serious issues and they need to run, swim and bike them off. But yours wasn't like that. Yours was just like a place was, to express your. Yeah, it was more the fun element as well uh, and kind of the the 
even though you race as an individual, the group element of training with the guys from work. Uh, so in between the night shifts, we'd either go mountain biking or we'd go out on the road bike, we'd go swimming. So it was kind of like uh, a group training thing with the guys that I spent half of my life with at the time because we do two days, two nights, far off. So you spend a lot of time uh, with with your shift. So it was kind of nice to do something outside of work with them. And you were you were a fire chief. Uh, so I think it's what you guys call a captain. A captain, fire yeah. captain. And so, you, and how long were you a firefighter? Uh, Ten years. Wow. And why did you stop? Was it because of CrossFit? Yeah, I won the CrossFit Games, so <laughs> it, it was uh, – I was having too much fun to go back to the fire service. Uh, I kind of took a sabbatical in 2013 to uh, concentrate on training, and obviously that paid off, and I won the, the Games. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. Were you um were you did you surprise yourself that you won it? Um we so 2011 I came fourth. So uh coming that close to the podium, it was kind of um kind of clear that I had the potential to podium. It, wasn't like we knew that I could win. The aim was to like train to podium. It was never kind of like said that we're going to the games to win. It was like we're going to the games to podium. Um, and it was a two. It was two years in the making because I got injured in 2012. So that's why I made the decision uh, in 2012. If I was fit enough to compete in 2013, I would do it properly and. Obviously, at the time, there wasn't as much money in sponsorship and stuff like that. So I started saving, worked extra shifts uh, for the fire service. And we'd already opened up our affiliate in Manchester. So started running some training camps and training seminars just to financially be in a situation that I worked my last night shift uh, the night before the open started. So got my first taste of being a professional athlete through the, the 2013 season. Talking there and you say we, who's the we? Oh, it was like a joint decision between my uh, coaches and myself. So it, it's never an individual that gets onto the podium. It's, it's always everybody, uh, everybody around them. And back. In, in like 2011, you already had a coaching team with you? Yeah, it wasn't uh, probably as high-tech or um, as developed as what coaching teams uh, are nowadays, but uh, I had I had a main coach that programmed all my CrossFit stuff, and then I worked with a guy called James Jowsey, who at the time – uh, programmed he was um, at the time like a movement specialist so he would program me stuff to try and address any like imbalances or weaknesses and stuff so he worked very closely with my coach who was Carl Steadman at the time no way um and and then oh, wow. full circle 
Yeah. And then full circle, I'm still with James Dowsey, but he's actually my full-time coach now. He takes care of everything, not just the movement side of things. Did you? Oh, uh, shit. I'm, I'm having flashbacks of when you came onto the scene now, Sam. Yeah. Now, as soon as you re- mentioned Carl's name, I, now I remember – you came on the scene and it was a it was a huge explosion with you. You were you had were doing incredible shit, but there was some. What was your first year at the games? Two thousand and ten. It was there was like some sort of deadlift event or some event, and that and that and I remember talking to you afterwards because basically your back was you were a, a you right. <laughs> I think that might have even been at regionals in two thousand and eleven. And we was were that- in Bolton. And it, oh, was yeah. the, it was the deadlift uh, high box jump workout. And me and Annie were going back and forth in the lead. And Annie was obviously perfect technique deadlift. And I had I had a traditional strongman deadlift, I like to think. Wow. I, I'm real <laughs> I forgot all about that. That was crazy. <laughs> Holy cow, I remember that. That was out in that field, right? And like the Italians were smoking cigarettes. It was the yeah. old, it was the Wild West back then, right? Yeah, outdoor regionals, and then it rained when we had Amanda, so we were all doing ring muscle ups in the rain. Yeah, that was amazing. And and I think I think I think Miko was there that year. That was a crazy year. Yeah, I remember. Boy, you really cleaned up your form since then, huh? I wonder if you'd be dead if you hadn't if you'd have kept that up. <laughs> I don't think I'd still. I don't know if I'd be dead, but I don't think I'd still be uh, competing at this level. But when I started, mm. and I said I had a memory um, of you both, so my memory of you was from uh, the 2011 regionals. And it was after doing the Amanda, and uh, you said if I continue doing muscle ups like that, that I'm gonna, uh, my biceps are gonna explode. <laughs> did you keep doing? Did did your biceps explode? They didn't explode, and I definitely cleaned up my technique. Uh, bearing in mind, I'd only been doing CrossFit for two years. Yeah, uh, and. I was like, I'd just come out at regionals and I'd won the Amanda workout after not being able to even finish the uh, workout the previous year at the games. So I was all happy. And then you're like, keep doing muscle ups like that. You're going to tear your biceps. I was like, I just done really well at that workout. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember where we were. We were somewhere and we were in a bus together and it was me and you and, you know, 15 other people. I want to say it was Vegas, but I don't have no idea why we would have been in Vegas. But We had an open announcement in Vegas. Okay. And and that was probably the, the closest and I didn't spend a lot of time with you, but I just remember thinking, holy shit, Sam Briggs is the only one around here that's not an uptight fucking knucklehead. Just <laughs> everyone was so uptight in the bus and it was like, and you were having a blast and I was like, God, Sam Briggs is fun. The rest of these people need to fucking take a page from her book. <laughs> And, and you and you and then as the years went on throughout the games, I noticed that about you just relatively to everyone, you know. And and it's it's interesting that um you were was your firehouse mostly men? Uh, yeah, I was the only female um in every station. I was the only female on my recruits, and then every posting that I had, I was only ever the the only female there. Yeah, that's interesting because I. I, I you know, I've said this before, and I don't mean it to sound sexist. I just mean it to sound like an observation. But at the CrossFit Games, it seems like the women are more uptight, and it seems like that there's less um, 
banter or jovialness or it just seems more uptight. And there are, of course, exceptions to that. And that's definitely you. And I've spoken about that just forever. And I wonder if that's because you've had more time um, hanging out with men or or what. Um, and it's, it's not always like that. It's not, I wouldn't say it's a perfect science like that, but you just seem to not let the stress of the CrossFit games affect you as much as the other women, the women get really, really like, uh, intense, more intense. I think, uh, it's probably, uh, just experience of being able to relax and perform under like such stressful like situations so whether that's something that was always in it in me which made me a good firefighter or if it's something that was developed in me throughout my career as a firefighter uh i don't know but i think it must carry over into the crossfit world because as stressful as it is competing it's still not life and death it's not no one's going to be killed if I do something wrong. They're, nobody's going to burn if I don't get one more rep, whereas I've been in situations where it matters what you do and you have to like keep going. So whether it's that experience that allows me to be more relaxed and um, allows me to be a bit more uh, like full of banter and just enjoying myself, or whether it's just something that's kind of innate in me. Um, I don't know, but I definitely prefer being more relaxed and having a laugh in competition. You talk about the Spirit of the Games Awards in the, I think it's even before the book starts. Since I'm listening to the audiobook, I think I got the impression that it was in the introduction. It's like, yeah. Um, was it really that special to get the Spirit of the Games Awards? Was it better than winning the CrossFit Games? I think they're, they're different. I have like I have certain things that kind of stand out in my mind through the CrossFit career. Uh, obviously, the first highlight is making it to the first games, doing the first workout under the stadium lights. That was when I fell in love with CrossFit, the sport. I was already in love with. Um, the CrossFit training methodology, but doing the first workout was when I like fell in love with the sport and was like, "This is what I want to do." Uh, the next like kind of highlight is they obviously winning the the 2013 games. Doing is it worth taking the time off from the fire service and doing that? Um, and then another thing to kind of like like stand out in my mind was actually that year in uh, DFC after all the changes in CrossFit, like coming out and being the first athlete to qualify for the CrossFit Games under the new like, structure. It was something that even I didn't think was possible. I was going up against like Sarah and Jamie and it was like, there's no way that I can go out and beat them. So then to to like top that year off of like qualifying and kind of the disappointment of not making the cut to finish the games was there was kind of like a light at the end of that with getting the spirit of the games kind of um, like everything that I'm doing, all the hard work that I'm doing um, to, to still compete at the games 
and to be kind of the best role model that I can be to um, new competitors coming in, uh, new people starting CrossFit. It was kind of like um, confirmation that I'm doing something right, that people people have noticed me and kind of like think that I'm doing something good more than just my performance, but actually being encompassing the spirit of the games. Well, I have something. Uh, thank you, Sebastian. Sebastian says he's the number one fan and has given us $10. That should cover my dog's dog food today. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I have something. Uh, um, boy, I don't know how you're going to take this. The spirit of the games doesn't mean shit. You know why? Because if it meant shit, they would have given you the award every single year. And I've been saying that since the first day you came around. I saw you take people's vests off as they crossed the finish line in the stadium in Carson while people were fucking acting like they were dying. And some people may have been dying. Annie Thor's daughter, Cara Sanders. There were people who were crossing that finish line who could not get their vests off. They were basically screaming in agony. And you were there taking people's vests off while other people were like running for cover, like that, like for shade because they were being fired upon. Do you remember that? Yeah, uh, that was the 2015 Murph. And uh, 2015 Murph or 2015 Mess? 2015 Mess. And, and, I, and I personally think it's great that they test the athletes like that. That is not a dig at anyone. Man, make it so hot. I'd love to see them pass out. I, love, I mean, make it life or death for them. Fuck yeah. That's why I want to see it. But then – and, and over the years, I would just see you like if the spirit of the games is supposed to be the spirit of the games and someone who keeps it light and someone who remembers like, hey, this isn't life and death. And hey, this is fun. And hey, there are times when you have to put other people ahead of you. I just have always said that. And I said it this year going into the games. We're going to find out um, if the spirit of the games is a real award or not, because if Sam Briggs is there and she doesn't win it, then, you know, it's bullshit. And by the way, they made a new award this year. And I don't know if you saw it, but it's like it's. You got the good one. The one with the rings is the good one. They gave Scott Pan and Scott Panchik's a great guy. He deserves the rings one too, but they fucked that all up. They gave him like a, a noble uh, twin towers. Looks like it's a, it's a homage to the bombing of the twin towers. But anyway, um, then this year I find out and, and I'm, I'm probably going to tell the story to, to over glorify you, but I find out that Daniel Brandon's going to be running one of the, we asked Daniel Brandon about this and we asked Dave Castro about this when they were on the podcast. And basically in a nutshell, they were going to have her run by herself in one of these events, the 550 meter sprint. And as you know, that, that, you know, that wouldn't have been ideal for her. She needed someone to run against and everyone knows she's fast. So why the fuck would anyone want to run against her? It's like, ah, Danielle's going to have to run by herself. Instead, they asked for a volunteer and the very person, first person I hear who puts their hand up is Sam Briggs. I, I just like tried to picture myself in that situation and nobody wants to run alone. It's kind of like, it's like if somebody said to you, you've got to go and do Fran right now. Like, you've got to do it by yourself or you've got to do it with two or three people. You're always going to pick to do it with people. You you always, like, find that extra, uh, extra like, push than to go on your own. Doing, doing that sort of thing on your own is, like, miserable. So I was like, there's no way that I would want to sprint 550 yards by myself. And... So in that case, it's like there's no way that somebody else should have to do that by themselves. 
that's it's like it was a unfortunate situation for them all with um, Bethany and uh, Carrie and like Danielle shouldn't be punished. It's already the things were already against her. This games with having to be kept away from everybody else, uh, having to have her own lane, um, mask up before the events, mask down. It's like she's already been like kind of like. I don't know. It's already at a disadvantage to everybody else. Um, one of the most ex- like fun parts, especially for me about the games, is you get to see other athletes that you've competed against. You get to like say hi to people. You get to make the memories backstage, not just the memories like on the on the competition field. And so she's already her all her memories of being off field are going to be by herself, masked up. So I'm like, there's no way that if we if we're allowed to run with her, that I wouldn't volunteer to do that. I like how you said masked up and then masked down. <laughs> <laughs> masked up is when you walk up and they're like, Danielle, put your mask back on. Mask back down. <laughs> um, but 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 Sam, the one of the themes of your book is that you're freaking competitive, that you want to win. And running, yeah, and why but. would you? Why would you offer up yourself when you know she's one of the fastest runners out there? It's only going to benefit her. Why not just be like, "All right, tough call, Danielle. You shouldn't because, have trained with." Because if I'm going to win, I want it to be on fair terms. I don't want to win because somebody else has been at a disadvantage, or um, I don't want to like win if somebody else is kind of like failing something that. Um, that's one thing that uh, got asked of me in 2014 after I'd failed the handstand walk. And then one of my biggest competitors was obviously Catherine, and she was failing on the uh, legless rope climbs. And I went over to try and help her and to try and like talk her through like a pacing strategy to get the rope climbs. And everybody was like, you're not in a qualifying position. Why are you helping Catherine get this workout when she could like knock you out of qualifying for the games? It's like, if I qualify for the games, I want it to be because I've done everything I can to get to the games, not because somebody else failed a rope climb. I'm like, I want to be there because I, I deserve to be there. Everybody else has been on their A game and I've beaten them. Spirit of the game, Sam Briggs, 2010, <laughs> 2011, 2012, 2013. What year didn't you go to the games? 2014? I didn't go 2012 and 2014. <laughs> Fuck it. 2012, give it to her. 2014, give it to her. Fuck it. I'm serious. I mean, it's it's crazy. I don't want to, I don't, and, and you're very, very complimentary of Nicole Carroll um, when she read off your Spirit of the Games award at the games. And I don't want to, I don't want to like, I know she's integral in, 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 in picking the spirit of the games award and I don't want it to be a dig at her. I, I've bashed the spirit of the games award so many times and I, I, it's really not a dig at her. And you talk about how I'll say something extremely nice about Nicole. It's very honest right now too. You talk about how articulate and succinct she is in her presentation. And one of the greatest speakers, if you've never had a chance and probably most of you haven't to hear Nicole Carroll speak in front of a large crowd, especially the trainers at the trainer summit, the CrossFit training team. She is one of the most amazing speakers and probably has done more for fitness than most people alive. I remember one time she was on this list, like 
hundred most influential women in health and fitness. And like, she was like 79. I was like, you fucking idiot. She should be numbered like three of men and women together. I mean, she is remarkable, but I just, I just, I've watched you at the games for so many years and you are in a league of your own. And, um, I think you accidentally proved that just in the few stories you just told just now. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> thank your mom or your dad or whoever. I'm just making the observation. You are who you are. Um, so, so, so you're, how did, um, there's so many topics we have open. Um, how did, um, so are you and Nicole married? So you and Nicole are married now. Yeah. But she doesn't compete. Uh, so she, um, after 2019, she was going to try and make it back as, uh, an individual for 2020, uh, did all the training, but unfortunately the sanctionals that she was meant to compete in were later on in the season. So they were all, uh, canceled. So, um, after, please don't, please don't use that word canceled. It, it makes my skin crawl. Thank you. Go on. Postponed. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so, uh, gyms were closed, everything like that, and kind of that—that that was her um, her financial uh, like way of, of supporting herself was uh, managing the gym. So, um, just had kind of like a decision to make, and uh, she had two major back surgeries. That's why she didn't compete between twenty fifteen and twenty nineteen. And so uh, made the decision after pushing that hard that maybe try something else. And she did, uh, during COVID, she did her real estate exams and became uh, a licensed uh, real estate agent and has been doing that for the last year. Holy shit. So has taken her, taken her competitiveness into, into the realms of the home buying market. Has she sold the house yet? She has sold houses. Um, she sold houses, helped people buy houses. They've um, done some property flips. Um, she, when when she gets her teeth stuck into something, she goes like fully in. That's awesome. Are you? Is it fun watching? Are you stoked for? Her? Uh, it's. I'm stoked when when things go right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there cool. are some very there are some very stressful situations. But uh, for the, the most of it, um, she's she's killing it, and um, and actually after a year off doing any CrossFit training um, during during our build up for the games, uh, Emma McQuaid and Adrian Mundwalder were staying with us and training. She got the itch to start training again, so she's actually doing doing CrossFit again. How old is she? Uh, she is thirty four. Oh my goodness. She's a child. She is a baby. <laughs> She's a child. I found CrossFit at 34. Holy cow. She's a child. I think that's the story. I remember when, when the lockdowns first started, it was an opportunity. If you if there was something you wanted to do and you didn't think you had time to do it, you could, yeah. now you have that time. You could reinvent yourself. And unfortunately a lot of people got lazy during that time. So it's nice to hear of someone who took that opportunity to move themselves. Oh, far, far from being lazy. As she was, um, as she was studying, she was also working for a landscaping company so that she was getting, uh, money like coming in, 
uh, she kind of looked and saw what jobs were still working through the through the lockdown and it was like you either worked in a supermarket or you did landscaping so she's like right okay I'm not gonna have time to train so if I'm doing physical manual labor that's my training and then on an evening she was revising and studying for her exams wait a second so you could someone this sounds like some sort of like internet fantasy shit you could pay money and Nicole Holcomb would come over and mow your lawn (laughs) yeah she'd be she'd be wearing like her crossfit gear <laughs> Depends Mowing on your what you're gonna pay. <laughs> Holy shit! Crazy. That's actually that 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 actually might be a business. That actually might be a business. Yeah. You have like you pay a thousand bucks and 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 Royce Dunn and Tia Claire Toomey come over and they're <laughs> they're both wearing booty shorts and they come over and they're mowing. They're Tia's mowing the lawn and Royce is in the back with the rake getting the clippings. <laughs> Oh my god. Thousand bucks. I think I think we could hook it up. Um so that uh, feel free to just tell me no you're not going to answer this but what happened to her back? What 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 happened to her back that she needed back surgery? Um so she had uh the disc was fully protruding so she had to have a discectomy and they didn't get everything out the first time. So when she got back into training and kind of tried to rehab after the surgery. Um, the pain came back and um, basically it was shutting everything off to her left leg. So um, a, dis- a disectomy. Yeah, so they took basically they've taken everything out now. Of um, So there's no disc left or anything. It's just bone on bone now. She will have to have it um, most likely fused in the future. But because she was still uh, relatively young, they, they didn't want to fuse it straight away because obviously that in itself can cause a lot of problems. Oh, man. I, I think I need a disectomy, but I, I refuse to have anyone look at my back. Are you in any pain, Sam? Are you healthy? I'm actually pretty good at the moment. Where's some wood? Knock on wood. I'm actually pretty <laughs> pretty healthy at the moment. So, uh, yeah. Came out of the games this year feeling feeling good. So, when you look and- when you when you think back on your career, which injury was the most difficult for you? Cuz I think, you know, sometimes it's totally different when you're in it than when people think. Yeah, um, so for me, the it's more the elbow because it's never going to be the same. I still have problems with that uh, from 2018. Uh, still struggle with um, extension, and um, so the tricep on the right side is a lot smaller and weaker uh, than the left side. And a lot of the times, if the elbow is under fatigue the shoulders trying to compensate. So I get a lot of trouble with the the right shoulder now. So that's an ongoing battle and it's kind of, it's never going to be perfect. And I knew that when he went in to do the surgery, he's like, it's never going to be the same, but it will allow you to get back to lifting and get back to doing CrossFit. What happened to the elbow in 2018? I, um, uh, I had multiple fractures in the joint and ruptured the medial collateral ligament. Snatching? Um, I, it, it God, was, you're making me wince because that's as soon as I hear elbow, I think, you know, 
Brooke Wells. Yeah, so um, Brooke's actually having like a similar surgery to, it's kind of a combined surgery of what I had and what uh, Lauren Fisher's just had. Um, so she's she's one up in us both. <laughs> but uh, how did you hurt your elbow? Was it just years of... Yeah, I started having problems with my elbow in 2013. So it was just kind of like a ticking time bomb. I'd go through stages where it was fine. I'd go through stages where I was struggling with it. And um, it just eventually went. And I was talking to uh, Brooke after the games and she was saying it was kind of similar situation. She's been having trouble uh, with her elbow. I want to say twenty. I think she had PRP in it in 2018. So she must have been struggling with it before 2018. Um, so I think it was just kind of like a long time, long time coming. Um, when you compete at the games, like this year when you competed at the games, are you feeling injured? Are there um, parts, are you dealing with injuries? Is everyone dealing with injuries? I would say most games that I've been to, I've been dealing with, uh, with something. Um, this year at the games uh, was probably the healthiest that I've been in in a long time. Are you the fittest you've ever been? No. Uh, and that's hopefully going to change coming into 2022. <laughs> now, that's interesting. So check that out. So you are you weren't the fittest, but you were the healthiest. And is that because you dialed back your training because it was more important to be healthy than... It. Yeah, so it's finding the balance, especially as you get older. Um, it's like trying to fine tune your training to get that fitness and get that um, level that you need to be at without being too too sore or too injured to to compete. Um, I mean, there's the body is a wonderful thing and. Um, adrenaline gets you through a lot. I mean, 20, 2016, I competed and I had uh, no no labrum. So in between every event, I was getting treatment and then I wouldn't be able to do things in warm-up. Three, two, one had happened. I'd complete the event and then I wouldn't, my arm would switch off and I'd be carrying my arm off the field and then we'd repeat oh, it. man. <laughs> And then we'd repeat it. We'd have treatment. We'd get it like going. I'd like then get through. And then that's why after the games in 2016, I had to like go and have shoulder surgery. I had like my bicep tendon, he said, was just hanging on. And I like completely removed the, the labrum. You are, you, you have stated that you're going to compete next year, right? You're going to try one more. Yeah. I'm like going all in for, for one more year. Um, we'll see what happens. And when you say you're going all in for one more year, could that be two more years? Um, so after next year, the focus won't be on competing as an individual anymore. The focus, I'll still be doing CrossFit because I love CrossFit, but I want to do some other things. Uh, I want to spend some time with Nicole without like being stressed that I'm not getting my training done. Um, I would like to do a little bit more traveling. I've um, been doing a few different um, like charity events. Uh, the end of last year, I did the 100K challenge to raise money for cancer. So I want to try and do kind of a few more things like that so I can still use my fitness but 
trying to benefit more than just myself. Did you did you um, get a chance to talk to Scott Scott Panchik at all this year? Uh, yeah, I did. And he he was pretty articulate and quite um, not emotional in the traditional sense, where like like you know like crying, but but there was a lot of like emotion pouring off of him when we interviewed him. And almost like he was high, you know, when you meet someone who's like, just really, really happy, like just, you're like, wow, this person's really high right now. Um, and he said that he sort of achieved that mental state by acknowledging to himself and the world on his way while he was driving to the games this year, that it was his last year. And somehow it was like this, like mental dump, right? Like he took a shit and he was free. (laughs) Holy shit. I can just let it all go now. I don't care. Full throttle. Um, that's why I asked, do you think this really is your last year or you're just using that as a tool to tell yourself to sort of like set yourself free? Uh, no, like we made that decision um, the after the games last year. Um, obviously, with it being online and stuff, I definitely didn't feel kind of that my like career was over. I didn't want to end on an online season. Um, so when I was talking to my coach and like talking about the future and kind of the plans of what we're doing, I was like, I didn't want to end like that. So we were definitely going to do this year. And then with me being 39, I was like, well, kind of like, why not? Let's just go. We'll commit to two years and let's see if I can get back as a 40 year old. It would be like pretty epic like to kind of like have one more season at at the age of 40 and then be like, okay, now you 17 year olds can come in and like have your fun. I mean, you're old enough to where you could have had Mallory and Emma as children, both of them. <laughs> well, yeah, cause they were both, they were both 17. So I would have had to have them at the same time. Oh my goodness. Um, there was an event at the games this year that I picked you to win and you really let me down and oh, you were doing, sorry. and you were doing so good. You were doing so good. Yes. Yes. And the other people I was on the show with were kind of like, like they didn't pick you. They didn't pick. I'm like, you guys are out of your fucking mind. And and I think, tell me what happened in that event. Cause you were doing so well. And then it was like, all of a sudden you started doing like the Chris Spieler or the Pat Barber, like where you start uh, going like this when you're running, you know what so, I'm talking about? Yeah. No. Um, so, I made myself dizzy doing that. <laughs> um, I've not been doing a lot of running in my training. Uh, like conscious decision, it was um, trying to weigh up like lifting and the effects on my knees and other joints of doing a lot of lifting and then the impact of running. So trying to kind of uh, like outweigh which, which, is, which are we going to like try and focus on. Um, and then going into that event, I was in 27th. So I was talking to my coach before it would have taken a lot of things to line up for me to make the cut. Uh, but there was like still just like a small chance that I could. And I was like, okay, shall I wear my watch and like set a pace that I need to like run at? And he's like, no, you've got nothing to lose. Just go and give it everything you've got. Awesome. And then, I love and then it. 
because of the lane assignments, uh, I was like at the front where you run out. So I had nobody to gauge any running out. I literally had to go and run as hard as I could. Whereas the rest of the guys were kind of together and could like then pace off each other and then pace off, off me. Um, and then that felt fine for the first lap. The, the toaster bar were like easy. And then going out for that, that second, um, second run, especially that fourth lap, I like wanted to stop and walk with every <laughs> single that would have been awesome that would have been awesome <laughs> nothing in my body wanted to keep on running and um i spoke to tear afterwards and she said she could see me and she said that she said i was like i looked like i was trying to use my arms to try and run because my legs weren't working anymore yeah, it looked like you were using your head to me. I had only seen like Spieler and Barber do that. <laughs> but but at like... least, at least if I wasn't gonna like make the cut, I could actually say that I actually gave it everything on that workout to try to try and make the cut. <laughs> you took twenty first. Yes. Oh my god. That's crazy, and and Brooke Wells, the, the, who took twentieth right above you, she did. She she tapped out the the two events later. I know she could have done her elbow on the chest of bar instead of the snatch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, is that did that did that piss you off? Were you like like not at anyone but at yourself? Like shit, no. I really want to go to the end. Or were you kind of stoked? Uh, okay, time for a beer. Uh no, like I was kind of. At peace, um, there was a few places where I felt, okay, I should have done a little bit better than I did. But I can honestly say that I thoroughly enjoyed this year's games. And on a lot of events, like, I gave everything. Um, and I had some, like, pretty cool cool moments. Um, obviously, getting the last power clean on the first run, uh, clean workout and finishing under the time cap on that was uh, a huge like big win for me um i still took fourth on that run to bar one yep i um i like actually managed to flip the pig it might not have been the, the best uh placing for me but i actually managed to keep moving on that pig so that was uh, that was a big win for me so there was some there was definitely some like really good good moments in there and I felt like I'd had a I had a good run. Uh, it wasn't like twenty nineteen when I didn't feel like I'd done anything. I didn't feel like I'd had my games. I didn't feel like I was finished. Uh, it was very very different feelings from the the two years. That was the year where just like all sorts of people, like Velner and Fikowski and all those people, like everyone yeah. just was like, okay, you're done. Well, I wanted, yeah. I actually wanted to, to ask you about that because you've obviously been around for 10 years experiencing the games, and there's been a variety of different situations where there have been cuts, not been cuts, been <laughs> cuts early on, cuts later on. <laughs> it's It seemed to me, and I, you know, I want, of course want to get your perspective, that this, this is like they wanted to have cuts, but all the athletes yeah. still had a fair amount of opportunity and events before that happened. Yeah, I felt like this year was a lot better and um, I think that uh, a lot of the athletes felt like they'd 
at least had a good run at things before before any cuts. Brian Butch Carpenter says your mic is low. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to say about your audio anymore. You sound great to me. Sam sounds great. I like, it. except she whenever she hits her hand on that on the cable. <laughs> Sorry. Other than that, no, no, no. Whatever. Fuck it. I do. Uh, I do Jan, want to point out point out one thing that she said there because I think it might have been. Oh lost please. On, on yes. If, but she was talking about the the pig workout, and the athletes that we've spoken to about the pig workout before have had the opposite experience of Sam, where it was the muscle ups that were the problem for them. And Sam's out in the world at muscle ups, and a lot, and people have been asking a question. But actually, I started struggling on the muscle ups, and I think that's because uh, I'm not as explosive as some athletes, so I couldn't just kind of like pop it up and jerk it. I was very much kind of like in this pressing position. So by the time I was on the last twelve ring muscle ups, my triceps had gone. So like I could, I was finding the kip to get into the bottom of the dip. I couldn't. I was struggling to dip towards the end of the muscle ups. And that's that's um, like I think perfect for people to hear that because the question people have been asking was was the workout only a muscle up workout? And here we see that it well, it really depends on the athlete. And for some people, yeah. that pig was heavy and was a problem. Oh, definitely, and the sled. <laughs> the sled was heavy too. <laughs> Someone says here, um, first athlete ever to answer the question, are you the, are you the fittest you ever been question with a no? And that is really true. I've asked that question probably, I don't know, a thousand times and no one's ever said no. And, uh, you know, probably half of them are lying. <laughs> so someone said refreshing, but on the other hand, she did say that she's the healthiest she's been. And it's, it's kind of refreshing also to hear that that's the trade off, right? Like, yeah. hey, at least I'm not I'm not training sore. Uh, do, do you like Ohio? Yeah. Like, if you could live anywhere in the United States, like, why did you choose Ohio? Why, why not? Uh, why didn't you guys choose? I know we kind of touched on this, but why not choose somewhere where there's an ocean? So, I mean, like. Like Florida. Uh, the Gulf. So I, I, um, I lived in Miami for uh, six months um, in 2000. And, 15. Um, and Is that I crazy? Do, uh, so, I mean, there's different parts of Miami. I wasn't like okay. raving it up on Miami Beach. <laughs> it was like very, very different. Um, but I think one place that I always loved was uh, Costa Mesa. Um, so you mean like, like San Diego, Costa Mesa, like Southern California? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was always kind of in my mind. Uh, like if I moved to America, kind of like where I'd be, but this suits us right now. It's not to say that we'll live here forever. Um, like at the moment, uh, Nicole's working with a great team here. Um, like I have, I've found a great gym where I'm training. So things like suit us for, for the moment. That's not to say that five, 10 years down the line, we wouldn't want to move somewhere that's a little bit warmer, maybe has uh, the ocean, something like that. But right now, it definitely, definitely suits uh, where we're at in our lives. What's the most unbroken um, number of push-ups you've ever done? Um, I don't know. There was a challenge. I remember like a few years back, like when I say a few years back, I remember it was, I was training at my first gym, so it's probably like 2011. Um, and I, it was a CrossFit challenge, and I think you had to like keep a temper 
for the push-ups. I have no idea what I got, but I remember being sore as hell the next day from like keeping the tempo that they set. Can you do like uh, 50? Uh, I don't know. Like I said, from my elbow, my triceps not as strong as what it used to be. So maybe if I lean over to my left side, I might be able to get close to to fifty. When's the last time you've done ten push-ups? Look at it. We're gonna have, we're just gonna have to dig. Here oh, like uh, yeah, no, ten push-ups is fine. We did uh, reverse JT uh, last Saturday. So, and, and when's the last time you did twenty push-ups? So I did it in reverse JT. I did twenty-one. <laughs> Oh, reverse what? What I so, jetty? So we instead oh, right, of twenty right. yeah, instead of twenty one fifteen nine, we did nine fifteen twenty one. Okay, when's the last time you did thirty push ups? Uh, wouldn't be able to tell you that. Okay, just checking. I did forty. Secret. I did. I did forty the other day. Well done. Unbroken. Yeah, I was very very proud of myself. I, you can you can see it on my Instagram if you want to see like me do forty okay. push ups. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll go and look after. You just go over talking. there. You go over there. And uh, what's funny is I'm shadow banned, so it's very, very difficult for me to get eyeballs. So I have like 90,000 followers, and if I post something, I get, you know, like maybe like 400 views, right? It's like re- I'm really, really shadow banned. But when I posted this old 49-year-old short Armenian man posted um, himself doing 40 push-ups unbroken, I got 55,000 views. It's very weird, there we right? Go. Yeah. I like I don't understand social media. I'll like I'll post something that I genuinely think is interesting and that I think somebody'll like and I get my least amount of like activity and then I'm in a rush, I'll take a photo, post a stupid caption and it'll blow up and I'm like I like I don't know I don't know what I did. Every I know, right? Every time I think people hate me, I should just do dumb shit. <laughs> Sam, Sam, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm curious go ahead, your Brian. perspective on um on Kristen Holta's retirement and her career overall. If if of any athlete that's competed with her over the years, you're about as both as an as, as an athlete and maybe a friend or yeah, you, I'm and I've I've spoken to her about uh her like choice to retire and stuff. Uh, I think it's always going to be hard for any athlete, but I think she just got to that that moment in her life where um, she's had a serious boyfriend for a couple of years now, so it's kind of like time to not be just thinking about how much time you have to commit to training and to be competing at the top level and kind of like enjoy enjoy being with him, enjoy being with her her family and um have a break from having to be a hundred percent focused on training and competing fair to say that like someone like Kristen has been a part of your evolution in the sport like you're always competing against her you're always trying to keep up with her stay ahead of her oh yeah definitely um and i got to know her quite well because we did uh, two of the open announcements to together um and we've done a couple of the different uh like a, a Reebok tour and one of the athlete gatherings and stuff and obviously always been in the the European regionals together so um I'll definitely like miss 
like seeing her on the competition, like seeing, although she has already said that this is her last year. So uh, hopefully we'll still get to compete against her at the, the Rogue Invitational before she she stops training full-time as a as an athlete. Oh, yeah, that will see her there one more time. Yeah. Will you get invited to that, Sam? Do you know? I've been invited. I've accepted. I'm going. Um, has everyone sent? Have has, has everyone who's supposed supposed to be invited been invited? Sorry, what's the deal with that, Brian? Do you know what the deal is? I don't know. Uh, huh? I'm assuming that they've sent the first wave of invites out, and then they'll um, see who accepts and go from there. And and that's close for you. That's in Ohio, right? That's in Columbus. No, they've moved to Texas. Oh wow! Yeah, it's it's bigger and better this year. They're going like full on. There's a strongman strongman show going on. They're doing the record breakers. There's a huge like capacity for um, spectators. What's the venue? What city? Uh, Austin. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Um, are you wearing a glucose monitor these days? I am. Yes. Can you tell me about that? Uh, just trying to do the little things that will hopefully make the difference to keep me competing. So if I can monitor my glucose levels and actually precision time my nutrition to allow me to train uh, just that little bit harder, that little bit longer, then that can only benefit me uh, in this competitive season. So for you, it's more about timing when to eat than to watch how much sugar you're consuming. Because they've obviously become very popular these days because people are trying to lower their blood sugar levels, right? Yeah, but also about that because um, obviously different things will affect everybody slightly different. So it's taking note of what you're eating and um, like the effect that has on your body. So you know kind of the best things to eat before bed so your blood sugar is not going to rise and stuff through the night and keep you awake. You know what's the best thing to take on before you're doing uh, a high-intense workout. You know what to take on before you're doing more of a steady-state workout. So it's just getting a greater insight into the effects that what you're consuming has on uh, your body and then ultimately your performance. You you started CrossFit in 2009? Yeah. And so it's 2021 with like 12 years. Yeah. And how has your diet changed? I guess specifically oh. around your, your competitive years. Yeah, massively. Uh, coming into CrossFit, I had no real idea about nutrition. Uh, I kind of just ate like a bowl of cereal for breakfast, a bowl of cereal for lunch, and then my first kind of like proper meal would be on a on an evening. Um, so getting into CrossFit and obviously doing my uh, level one, uh, I like got introduced to the zone diet. So I did that for a while and then got onto the paleo bandwagon and did that for a while. Uh, I've been vegan for probably 18 months and then slowly reintroduced uh, meat back in. What uh, year were you vegan? What year were you vegan? Uh, it was probably 2017 through 18. What a cool experiment. Did you enjoy the experiment? 
Uh, yeah, and I like I found that I uh, responded really well to it. I didn't like crave or miss anything, and it wasn't until uh, I was actually out in Australia uh, staying with Cara Saunders that I actually wanted to eat something again. She was like cooking like fresh barramundi and stuff like that. It's like I'm not going to pass that up. That looks amazing. So I reintroduced kind of fish into my diet. And then it was probably another few months before uh, I reintroduced chicken. And then one day I just really fancied a burger. I was like, I could murder a huge burger right now. And then that, there you go. Beef was reintroduced. <laughs> uh, what's barramundi? That's a fish? Uh, fish, yeah, sorry. It's Bar- uh, barramundi. 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 Do you know that fish, Brian? Nope, but I know it any better after listening to you say it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, whose idea was it for you to go vegan? Was it your idea? Um, I was just like finding that uh, I was finding it hard to uh, like process some of the foods and digest. So I was just getting a few problems. So it was kind of okay. Let's let's try clean up the diet and just kind of like trial a few things. And I just responded really well to it. Um, and I think it was a really good learning curve. So even now I'm like not frightened that I have to have meat with every meal. It's like, I know that I can still perform well and still get the right like nutrients and uh, balance in there. That's a great takeaway. What you just said, you're not afraid if you don't have meat with a meal, it's weird because there are people who are like that. Like they feel like they have to have meat with every meal. What, what was your go-to food when you were vegan? Uh, so there was a lot of uh, like lentils, uh, beans, uh, quinoa. Uh, just try to like vary things as much as possible. I would like sometimes get the the tofu. Uh, tried a few times with kind of like the meat um, substitutes. Some were definitely a lot better than than others. Um, but yeah, like I said, I didn't. Ones. Yeah, but like I said, I didn't really miss. The meat, so I wasn't craving it, so I didn't feel like I had to have like a fake chicken in my meal because I wasn't that bothered to have chicken. And then, and then now, what? You, and then now, basically, what you're saying, if I'm hearing this right, you're 39 years old, and you just want to maximize every bit of recovery, like every, and training, I'm, and training yeah. time you can. Yeah, just trying to, um, like I said, like go all in on this last year, so. Why not try and maximize everything that I kind of have like open to me? Have you, yeah, at your disposal. In the, in the process of trying yeah. to do that, reached out to or taken a look at any of athletes who are trying to do similar things, like in particular, Roger Federer or Tom Brady come to mind as they're like at the end of their careers trying to get as much out of it as possible? Or are you kind of just doing what seems right for you? Uh, I never really thought about it. I'm just kind of like doing doing me. I'd, uh, I don't know if they'd respond to me. Uh, I could oh. try. It'd be quite interesting to have a conversation else like that. You should tell them that just like they're in the top five of their profession, professional sport time, so are you. Yeah. Why, thank you. <laughs> um, you're going to make me blush. <laughs> Um, tell them if you're going to reach out to Tom Brady and Federer, make sure you tell them Brian sent you. That'll probably okay. 
Just okay. to get that extra, yeah. yeah Brian I think, Friend. I think, I think Roger Federer and I actually have the same birthday, so he should he should respond. There we go. Okay, I'll mention that. Uh, Sam, tell me about the Spartan thing. I didn't watch the event. I've seen the preview all over the place where basically you competed to be the fittest woman on earth via the Spartan Spartan event. What was that? Uh, How do you get involved in something like that? Were you scared? Were you like, hey, I already compete in the fittest on the earth? Like, what are you talking about, Joe? Um, I think it was uh, obviously 2019, um, the cuts. I didn't really feel like I'd had my games. Um, we did a half Ironman on the Sunday to uh, feel like I'd earned my uh, off-season. I had a week of downtime. Wait, wait, then... wait a second. So Sunday of the games when the athletes were competing, you're like, fuck you, I got cut, I'm going to do a half Ironman? And she wasn't yeah, alone. there was a half Ironman. Uh, it was like 20 minutes away from the venue. So we like on the Saturday, we managed to uh, get some, uh, find some bikes, get a last minute entry. And yeah, we, we went and did the, the half Ironman on the Sunday. Wow. There, I think there's some coverage of it because didn't Heber come out there? Uh, it was Rory McCann. Oh, it was Rory? Okay. How did yeah, you do? It was, um, I think I think I actually came third. I think I did. Wow, I did okay. I didn't win it uh, for sure, but it was definitely fueled on a little bit of anger of, <laughs> of being cut from the games. I was hurting on the run. I blistered my feet, and so the whole well half of the run that my feet were blistered was definitely like it was more anger that like kept me <laughs> kept me running. Who else did it? Did anyone, any of the other games athletes do it? Yeah, Sarah did it. Um, Emma McQuaid uh, did it. And then uh, there was another one, Carmen Bosman uh, did like a team um, of it as well. Uh, she did the bike part and Sarah's coach did the swim and my coach did uh, the run. Crazy, crazy. You guys are crazy. Okay, sorry. So 2019, the Spartan thing. Yeah, and so I had a week of downtime and then got approached if I'd be interested in doing this um, Spartan, like, well, I can't even remember what they called it, like the Spartan Games or something. Uh, they said it would be multiple events, four-day competition. I was like, okay, like, let's do it. This could be my games. This could be kind of like pushing, pushing myself and feeling – uh, accomplished and finished, which I didn't feel at the games in 2019. I'm like, this could be, this could be that for me. And how'd it go? Uh, it went well. It was definitely, <laughs> it was definitely more engineered for uh, endurance athletes. And when I say endurance athletes, everybody was like, oh well, you're going to be good because you're the engine. I'm like, yeah, I'm the engine in the CrossFit terms, not in the ultra marathon terms. <laughs> Yeah, like so. So I, I haven't watched it yet. Maybe I should watch it. But some of the people that they showed who were entering it, um, looked like you could carry like four of them on your back and run five miles. I mean, there looked like some people yeah. in there who had no business being in a fittest competition. So we had like a five-hour max distance mountain bike. There was, I think, a max distance swimming. I think it was like three hours i want to say something crazy like that maybe an hour i'm just my memory is going three hours but there was a six hour max distance mountain run and that was the most miserable i have 
ever been in my life. That was bad. <laughs> and was there an event where you had to wrestle other women or push them out of like a circle? Yeah, so we, we got a wrestling event. And I'm like, yes. I'm like looking at all these like ultra runners. I'm like, I can slam a few of you into this sandpit. I am ready. <laughs> and then we had one like olympic lifter called faith cook my first draw was her and I oh was like, man seriously i'm like looking at all these like skinny marathon runners and then like i look at faith and like she could like pick me up with one hand and just like throw me out of that pit and like that was my first draw i'm like no this is unfair was it single elimination uh so it was like bracketed so i like uh, obviously lost that so then I was in the losers bracket and um so I actually got a few fights then well I'd say fights and like I got a few wrestles then <laughs> wrestles then the last one was pretty much uh, a fight there was uh, another crossfitter Emma Chapman and uh, neither of us wanted to give up we we were like it was I think it was like four points win and I was like three points up and she came out like she must have seen red. She came out hot and she took those three points back and then got the fourth. It was like incredible. Is there a video of that? Um, there's a photo of her like punching me in the face. Uh, I don't know about uh, a video. I think She's... I got her a good one as well. So she'll, she'll definitely tell us the story. I think, uh, we we definitely gave as good as we got. <laughs> and she she was on Nicole's team in 2019 games, right? She was, yeah. She's okay. yeah, she's a feisty one. <laughs> oh, so I know what happened. She was probably wanted to marry Nicole, and Sam got Nicole, <laughs> so she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna fuck Sam up now and give her a straight arm to the face." <laughs> no, no, no. She's got a husband. She's uh, happily married too. So uh, that's all good. <laughs> that's all show. Husbands are just for show. Husbands are just for show. <laughs> um, and then how did you place in that event? I came fourth. And did it scratch that itch or just make oh. things worse? Oh, no. We were definitely like, I had no more desire to do any sort of fitness. After and, that? Yeah, I remember the next day, um, there was me and Connell, we'd driven back. So we were staying in a barn on, like, cots. We were, like, sleeping. It was like being on a school camp. So, like, at the CrossFit Games, when you can go back to your nice hotel and have some privacy and have a nice bath, we had outdoor showers, uh, like, porter showers, and we were staying in, like, a dorm on cots. It was, like survival of the fittest not just the fittest games so we'd driven back to vermont on the last night um and i went to go see uh, danny haran's um gyms out there so i went to see her the next day and she was doing some training she was like oh if you want to go on a bike or do something something i'm like no i am not doing any fitness i'm like i'll sit and have a coffee with you i'll have some food i'll like chat i'm like i am not doing any exercise of any sort <laughs> um someone just it's leslie smith says ask her about doing the spartan challenge will she do it again what do you mean ask that's what what do you mean leslie that's what we're talking about is the spartan challenge aren't we this thing is called the Spartan Challenge, right? Uh, yeah, um, it was different to a Spartan race. Um, so part of the Spartan Games, you did the Spartan races. 
Um, and while I was doing the six hour run, I was like, never, ever, ever, ever again. A uh, couple of weeks after the games, if they invited me back this year, I probably would go. <laughs> oh, so you you've forgotten how bad it is, and you'd go back? Yeah, it's like ah, oh, maybe maybe it was fun. Maybe I enjoyed it. Uh, uh, are they going to do it again? Did they I do have it again? No idea. Okay, um, I don't know. Uh, it was kind of I want to say October, November. It'll be November time because the games was uh, October. So uh, yeah. And Spartan races, that's Joe DeSana's event, right? Is that the guy's gentleman's yeah, name, so the we, owner? Yeah, so we were we were staying in his, at his ranch in his barn. Okay, that's cool. I think I met him in 2019 at the CrossFit Games. I think uh, he had a meeting with Greg, and I was in that meeting. And then I think I, you just I, – I reached out to a friend to try to get him on this podcast. Did I tell you that, Brian? I don't think and so. someone sent an email connecting us, and it's one of those emails that, like, you know, do you do this, Sam? You get an email, and you put Mark is unread because it deserves your uh, undivided attention later. And then forget about it for And then like you forget months. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, text should have that, too. You can't – once you read a text, you can't mark it as unread, right? Um, I don't that know. I've not tried. Exist. Yeah. But, but it's also that. a bad feature because, like, then you forget about it. And I have, like, emails – the same that I'm like, I'll go back to that. And then I forget. Oh my God. I really like this person. I'm going to mark this as unread. And tonight yeah. I'm going to give them 40 minutes of my undivided attention. And instead and they think you hate them because months, you know, five yeah. months later, you're like, yeah. I'm really, really sorry. And they're like, yeah, that old excuse. <sighs> um, Sam has, so your performance as an athlete has basically been a viable source of income. You haven't had to have a job in 10 years. Um, 2013 was when I like stopped working for the fire service. Um, I'm still a part owner of, um, we have two affiliates in Manchester. Um, uh, but other than that, but those, co- those are, those cost you money. I'm talking about things that make you money. <laughs> uh, yeah. So pretty much full-time athlete, um, do a few kind of like training camps and stuff to to supplement that but other than that it's uh, just competing and being me it, and and when you say training camps that um meaning people can train with you uh yeah so i don't do the like train with which idea uh i'll actually like coach them and like try and pass on like things that i found have helped me um to get to a competitive level Right. So the, the train with Rich, you basically, you work out next to him and then you get to drink a cup of his sweat and that's the end of the weekend with you. You actually talk to them and say, yeah, so I tend to stuff like, Hey, don't deadlift like that. You'll end up like me. (laughs) Uh, I had a pretty good deadlift. Uh oh. Uh oh. Weight weight wise, even though the technique. Yes. uh, Your weight was incredible. (laughs) Incredible. Yes. Incredible. I agree. The weight was incredible. Uh, but yeah, no, I try and get, so I would normally go in before coaching and then in the hour lunch break, I would normally like train again so that the time that I was spending with the people, I'd be like trying to actually like coach them and lead them through stuff. Could they stay and watch you train? Uh, a lot of them did. Yeah. Cause it's it's kind of cool then for them that, um, like, especially like, um, 
the camps that I've done and stuff, I've been over in Europe, so not everybody can get out to the games and watch. So if somebody's at the opportunity and they're on a camp to kind of like watch me do a workout and stuff, um, I, I would always as well offer for them to do the workout with me. And uh, I think in the whole time I've only had maybe like three or four actually accept and <laughs> and do the workout with me. Pussies. Um <laughs> You you tried to get on a, a rugby team as – I have this whole list of things. I know we're never going to get through any of them but, or through all of them. But there was a, a rugby team you tried to get on. I think you called it in secondary school. I don't know what that is. But it was an all-boys rugby team. Yeah, it's and like said, high school. And they said, Sam, sorry, you can't – This you, you have to have a penis to be on this team. And you're like, what? That's bullshit. I, I yeah. just want to play – there's penises have nothing to do with this game. This game's about I went rugby. to boys' brigade as a kid. Because, like, my mum tried to get me to go to Brownies and my brother went to Boys Brigade. And, like, the Brownies just sit around and play with dolls. I want to go, like, to Boys Brigade. And so I kicked up a fuss and I had to go to Boys Brigade with my brother. And oh, and like, you went. And you went. <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> did you ever beat anyone up for your brother? Like, someone picked on your brother and you beat him up? Uh, I think not that I recall of. Uh, I used to try and beat my brother up, which kind of worked for a while until he grew to six foot odd and I stopped at five, seven. <laughs> yeah. My sister did both. She would, she could beat me up on occasion and then she would beat up the, the person who tried to beat me up too. And then, so what I'm curious is, is when you tried to, um, you said that when you were a fire, you worked your way up to becoming a fire captain. Yeah. That you, there were, you were the only female in the ranks. Did you have any of that pushback there, or was that just after rugby that was done? It was like, yo, if you can do it, you can, you can um, be it. I mean, like not like not fully. There was uh, obviously the fire service, especially when I joined, was very much a male-dominated uh, workforce. It has like improved, and there's a lot more females in the in the job now. Uh, I'd never say that. Uh, I kind of got discriminated against, but there definitely was times, especially um, in some stations where if it's an older station and the crew are a lot older, they they may have never worked with a female. So I know when I went to my first posting, there was a lot of kind of uh, skepticism um, and I suppose it was more uncertainty of what it would be like to work with a woman. But I never went in trying to be, trying to like change everything. I wanted to be kind of one of the guys in the sense that I didn't want them. You to wanted to be to... one of the firefighters, not yeah. not the I... female firefighter or not the male firefighter. You wanted to be yeah, one of the firefighters. I just wanted right? to be one of the, the gang. So I always made sure that I was able to pull my own weight. I was, nobody ever had to kind of like babysit me or anything. I was capable of doing everything. Um, and I went those extra miles to make sure that I could prove myself as a as a worthy firefighter, so that if we were going into jobs, they weren't worried that they were going to have to look after me. They were happy that we had each other's backs. It was it was an even playing field. I'm I'm guessing that there were teams you were on were not only was not only were you not the weak link but actually you were stronger faster and more capable than every single man on the team is that true <laughs> i definitely worked hard uh especially like in my early career to prove that i i was 
like fitter and stronger than a lot of them. Yes. <laughs> so humble. Um, you always hear about men who like the stories, the cliche stories are always about men who like, or, or situations where like you're saying um, that you didn't necessarily experience where there was a prejudice. And I think you couched it in a very humanistic way. Yeah. It's, it's not so much prejudice or not wanting women around. It's just the uncertainty, right? They've never worked with a yeah. the woman. They're freaking out a little bit. What I wonder also, on the other hand, were there guys that were like cheering you on, like who were like rooting for you because you were a woman? Like, fuck yeah, let's see. You know what I mean? Like, like kind of like how I feel about like kind of like how people feel about um, uh, Josh Bridges or Chris Spieler or, or like the smaller or Dan Bailey, the cross smaller CrossFit athletes where you're kind of like, yeah, I hope this little or Corey, um, Corey Anderson, uh, Cody, 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 Cody yeah. Anderson. Sorry, Cody. Shit. Um. <laughs> Was there? Bailey. I know, I know, I know. Just showing off and bit me in the ass. Did Dan really just gets that? all the the big bicep support. He's taken all my bicep love. <laughs> <laughs> did, were there were there a lot of guys? Did you feel the opposite of that by any chance? That there were people cheering you uh, on, like, I oh think, yeah, get some, Sam, get some. Uh, I think it definitely like came from uh, the more younger generation of the firefighters because um, they'd obviously. Um, a lot of them may have had females on their recruits course or they may have done courses with other females, but also as well, they, they'll have done sports in school and stuff with other females. Some of the older generation may have even gone to segregated male and female schools. They, they'll have never played on a football team or rugby team with another female. So definitely like things changed in, and just in the the timeline of things, so the younger generation of of firefighters already had that female influence kind of in their upbringing, so it wasn't so alien or so unusual for them. I would think nowadays, I don't know how it is in the UK, but you wouldn't give a shit whether someone's a man, woman, fucking dog, what they were, as long as they weren't a threat. Sorry, I have a piece of ice oh, in my mouth. Yeah. As long as they weren't a threat to the rest of the team because they were so fucking out of shape that they're a danger to everyone around them, which unfortunately most of our – oh, careful, Sevi. Many of our firefighters and police officers are these days. They're basically a danger to themselves and everyone around them because they're so damn out of shape. And I don't blame them for it. I blame all of society for it for lowering the goddamn bar so low. No, I definitely think like it, um I mean just in the time in the 10 years that I was there there was a lot more kind of like females in the service uh, and also that was kind of like um uh, looked at in the UK was the standard of fitness among firefighters and uh the kind of the, the last few years that I was working there actively they were bringing in a lot more physical training and they were bringing in um, in-job fitness tests every six months. So firefighters had to maintain uh, a basic standard. Even those firefighters that had gone into kind of the office roles had like fitness standards that they had to maintain because they were still going to be representing the brigade. I, I, have, I have a friend who's a 
fire captain here in California, and he told me the number one injury amongst firefighters is a hurt back. And I go, oh, why is that? And he said it's from picking up obese people in, like, weird situations. Like they oh, fall behind yeah. a toilet or fall behind, like, a closet. And then he basically said that since he's worked there, every firehouse has a machine that's like a motorized forklift, fork, motorized forklift for picking up obese people. I mean, this shit is crazy. Like, they didn't have – the like – I mean, you're 40, I'm 49. Like, I remember, like, if you saw someone who weighed 300 pounds as a kid, it was like, holy shit, I've never seen anyone that big. And it was kind of like, and now it's just like dime a dozen. It's just. But hopefully, like, hopefully, like, things will change. Like, uh, you, you, you mean, like, they'll get to 400 pounds or they'll go back <laughs> no, down to hopefully 195? Hopefully, like, start going the other oh, way. Oh, oh. Um, I think, like, everything became the the norm that, like, Everything became supersized. Everything became like convenience, fast foods, processed foods. And it's now that it's becoming uh, more aware to people and people are starting to get more educated that this isn't the right way and it doesn't have to be this way, that hopefully we'll see things changing. More people are getting into fitness uh, and the more that we can like promote CrossFit and the healthier lifestyle, then the more people we can hopefully help and hopefully save. I agree. I totally agree. I hope you're right. I'm, a, I'm not as optimistic as you, but, but I hope you're right. And I'm so glad that there are, you know, lifeboats and there are people like you who own affiliates and there are people who are spreading the good word. And, you know, you, you don't even have to do CrossFit. You can just stop putting poison in your mouth. Right. I mean, if people just stop that, they would be, Thank you for your time, Sam. Is there anything you did that we didn't cover, Brian, that you're dying to cover? I have a whole bunch of notes for, for the next time we have her on, if she dares. I have a, I have a, many, many questions for her, of course. But there's just one, if limited time, I want to, one in particular I want to ask. Do you, did you notice how, how um, the European women are always dominating performances at the games? Yes. And it's, there were 11 of you. 10 of you finished 21st. Seven of you yep. finished thirteenth or higher. Two on the podium. Three, and you're only getting ten spots at the games. And then you're... I know. Uh-oh. Oh, Brian's it's... favorite subject. Let's do it. <laughs> no, definitely. And I think that's always been uh, kind of uh, an issue. That's um, I don't know, like how to how they could address it or not. But it goes right back to if you look at the back in regionals when we had like Annie two-time champion I was a champion and then um Catherine two times champion like if it was like the old traditional way of just like three people qualifying it kind of like neglects a lot of high caliber athletes I think back in the day when um past champions didn't take a qualifying spot would be um like a possible route or even if they did it on just the podium from the previous year so like Tia, uh, Annie and uh, Laura Horov wouldn't take a spot next year they still have to go through the qualification process and prove that they're still fit enough to compete but they wouldn't take a spot they'd go down they'd take instead of the five from say they were competing in the German throwdown and Laura Horroth was there, they would take the top six. And that's just a way of like possibly 
allowing a few more high caliber athletes like to compete at the at the games. Yeah, it was you you know her well, of course, Karen Freyova, but it was like a big bummer for me not to see her at the games this year when the Oh, like she's her. yeah, she's she's incredible. Events. Like Karen Freyova, I don't know if she uh, was uh, had an injury or was like struggling with something, but um I think the first day, I'm not sure which event it was, but she had like a bad place in on an event and like she climbed all the way back up to just narrowly like missing missing out. It's like there's some phenomenal athletes that are not able to make it to the games yet and compete on that level because there's just so many like great athletes like fighting for those spots out of Europe. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you know, I see this from my perspective, but I never really knew have had a chance to ask one of the women from Europe how they how they experience it being one of those in that spot. And if they still had the um, rule of past champions didn't take um, athletes to the games, then uh, both me and Catherine would have been at the games in 2014. <laughs> so Sam has thought about this. You can get Sam's book on, boy, any platform. You can listen to it, uh, the audio version, or you can buy the hardback version. You know, Go to Amazon, iTunes, Audible, wherever. The name of the book is Start Your Engine. Right, Sam? Yep, Start Your Engine. And it's Sam Briggs. That's S-A-M. M. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. This was great. No problem. It's been fun. It was fun? Yeah. Wasn't pain in the ass? No, it's been good. Time flew as well. I just looked and I was like, man, we've been on a while. Yeah, that's good. Are you late for your next appointment? Uh, I'm just late for eating. That's my oh. next appointment. Okay. <laughs> you want to say bye to the people watching? Thank you for watching, guys. 1,986 people at one point or another tuned in. That's cool. Yeah, I think that Hope, might be some sort of record for us. Yeah, hopefully I didn't bore people too much. Oh, no, I mean, no. we we've obviously had fun. I had a blast. It's never it's never our guest fault if um if the show is boring. That just means I'm not interrupting enough. Okay. <laughs> so we. I got your joke then. Your first you got, joke didn't hit. I got the joke, joke. then. Okay. I love these last one. And we're.